eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's the dog days of summer, but today on the Iwana Enquirer podcast, we're going to look forward to the fall by looking into and hearing about, learning about, two new head coaches in the Big Ten. We talk with two 24-7 sports experts on these respective teams to learn more about Ryan Walters and the impact he's made at Purdue and Luke Fickle, one of the big-time hires of the offseason, heading from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. A lot of people thought Jim Leonard was going to get that job, but no, Chris McIntosh with a big home run swing, and he lands his guy in Luke Fickle. We will talk with Mick Walker, who covers Purdue for 24-7 Sports, about the impact Ryan Walters has made so far, including on the recruiting trail, also, the impact he's going to make and his staff on the offense, which is pretty good against Jeff Brown, and the defense, what they're bringing over there to West Lafayette. And we get his thoughts on what he thinks about this rivalry, what uh, the coaching staff at Purdue thinks of Brett Bielma in Illinois and what that game this season between Illinois and Purdue means for them. And then we dive into Wisconsin with Michael Hogan. The Badgers are going to look different. How different? We talked to Michael Hogan of 24-7 Sports, who covers for Badger 24-7 about what Phil Longo's offense will look like, what the defense looks like, because that's been pretty good under Jim Leonard at Wisconsin for a long time there. And uh, if Wisconsin, in the first year of a new coach, can win the West, or if this is too much change, Michael Hogan breaks that down. So we're going to try and catch up with a lot of the Illinois opponents over the next several weeks, get you ready for the Illinois football season with training camp, Big Ten media days, just around the corner and it felt right to start with two new faces leading Big Ten West programs with Ryan Walters at Purdue and Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. So coming up next, Mick Walker, who covers Purdue for 24-7 Sports, will break down the impact Ryan Walters has made so far in West Lafayette. That's next on the Online Enquirer podcast. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's start off our look-aheads, our previews of Big Ten opponents for Illinois. And we figured let's start it off with a rivalry that's heating up a little bit uh, with Purdue. And Mick Walker covers for Purdue for 24-7 Sports, Boiler Sports Online. Mick Thanks for joining us. I'll bring it up right now. Um, obviously, there's a protected rivalry now moving forward in the Big Ten. Illinois-Purdue, I've always kind of called them sister schools. But with Ryan Walters at Purdue recruiting against Illinois, uh, obviously selling against Illinois, and these two meeting in late September, uh, what's what's the uh, feel about this rivalry now in, in West Lafayette? Because I know Illinois fans are starting to feel it a little bit more. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about it before, but I think this is – if you go through the schedule, I think the players are going to circle like an Indiana game. You hope that you make it to a bowl game. Like that, those are kind of the things you circle on this, the schedule. Like this is what we want to do. I think the coaching staff has Illinois circled, especially because all the st- the staff ties from working at Illinois, whether that's Ryan Walters, Corey Patterson, Grant O'Brien, Joe Deneen. Like we can go on and on about the guys that have, have crossed over. I think this is the one the staff kind of has circled because they want to be able to, you know, you obviously you want to beat your old boss, and I think obviously the the staff Illinois with Bielma would like to beat Ryan Walters as well so I think that along with like you said it being a protected rivalry there's going to be a trophy on the line all that type of stuff makes it a little bit more appealing a little bit more interesting now well Ryan Walters has been the Purdue head coach now for about what seven months um how how has he impacted the program how has Purdue changed with Ryan Walters yeah, obviously, I, I don't know how much you knew Jeff Brom, but you, you at least got to see him in his his presence at media days and whatnot, see him around for some press conferences. And I think you just tell from watching Jeff Brom and watching Ryan Walters, they're entirely different personalities. And I think that energy has been really welcomed by the Purdue fans just because of it's a complete 180 from what Jeff Brom was. I think they've enjoyed that on the recruiting trail. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it turns out this fall because that's really the big question is what can – what's going to get done. The schedule is going to be a bear anyways, even with Jeff Brom, but I still, I think Ryan Walters, because of how well they've been recruiting, has set up an expectation now of kind of where they should be. And I'm interested to see how the fans perceive it. If they underachieve relative to what they've done recruiting or how they, how, if they overachieve, how it impacts things. Purdue currently has 20 commits, Mick, uh, top 25 recruiting class right now, four, four-star commitments. They will steal Luke Williams out of the state of Illinois from the Illini. What has worked so well in recruiting for his staff? Yeah, I think the like, specifically with Luke, obviously, I think is the the defensive back seller to be able to say, hey, and that's why they, if you look at that, they have seven defensive backs committed. They still want to get Leontre Bradford out of East St. Louis, which is a school that obviously Corey Patterson and Ryan Walters know well. So they want to go eight defensive backs, and that's a big thing is their pitch. But they've also really 
they sold this air raid offense, the idea that they're going to be able to air the ball out. That's You get a top two, four, seven quarterback out of Texas and Marcos Davia. You get four wide receiver commits. The offensive line, they also have four. Like, but this, they just took a smaller class last year as well. So the numbers are already high. They've done well at attacking areas where they, they have ties, a lot, of, a lot of Texas ties. We mentioned Luke. They have a lot of good ties up in that Chicago area. Then they've done well in, in the state. Tom Allen that hasn't necessarily recruited the in-state talent as well. So I think they've been able to come in and kind of get the guys they wanted. I think they, they missed out on some of the guys. I think they fell for a while. They had a legit shot at some of these five-star guys or top-tier guys in India that went to Ohio State, Notre Dame. But overall, I think it's just been the energy. I think it's been the fact that they've attacked where they have ties and they've used it really well. They've also just attacked areas that might not be as recruited, different areas that Tennessee has really been good for them. And I think they're going to continue to do that as well. Purdue went to the Big Ten championship game last year, kind of stole it from Illinois. Illinois 7-1, and and then they just fell down the stretch. Purdue closed really well to get in that game. Uh, but they lose Jeff Brown. They lose Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones. Is this a rebuild for Purdue? I think to some extent. I think the coaching staff has a lot of faith in Hudson Card with, the, with Graham Harrow as the offensive coordinator. But I still think the offensive line is a, at least a concern for me. I think some Purdue fans feel good about it, some don't. The interior depth is going to be pretty good. They have a handful of guys they brought up through the portal that could probably play guard. They still have Gus Hartwig back at some point. He might miss the beginning of the season. That's something we'll have to figure out at Big Ten Media Days and get some clarification on how he's doing. But when he's healthy, he might be one of the best centers in the Big Ten. Then you got some guards you like. The tackle spots are going to be iffy. So I think that's going to be interesting. But it really hinges on Hudson Card and if some of these guys that have been good wide receivers can kind of step up and be – I don't think anybody's going to be Charlie Jones, but I don't think if you asked me last year, Charlie Jones was going to be what Charlie Jones was. So just being able to get some guy to be somebody to be productive and Hudson Card being good, along with being able to use Devin Mockaby, who ended up being one of the better running backs in the Big Ten last year as well as a walk-on and as a redshirt freshman. Yeah, Purdue ended a good transfer quarterback, obviously beating out Illinois. Uh, for for Hudson Card there, it was kind of the first uh, impression of Walters on, on the recruiting trail there. Uh, so what changes now without Brom, with Graham Harrell in his offense coordinator and Hudson Card as quarterback? What's this offense look like? I think compared to what it was last year, a lot of that, like I, I said on, I don't know if I said it on summer school with Bud Elliott or what, but a lot of Jeff Brom's offense is Jeff Brom up in his head. I, I've talked to people afterwards that, whether it's quarterbacks or whatnot, it's harder to learn that system. I think there's a belief that now you have Graham Harrell, this this air raid type of scheme, it's easier to learn. The concepts are easier. So I think they believe that that can be good. It's still it'll be interesting to see if they can put it all together, if they have the talent out wide. I think they have good wide receivers. I don't know if they have a, a number one guy. They don't have – I don't know if they have an Isaiah Williams like Illinois has, somebody that they can really rely on to be a big play guy. I think T.J. Sheffield's probably their best wide receiver, but is he a better one or a two? They got some guys out of the uh, – transfer portal i know they like but those guys might be younger or just might not be that capable so it's going to depend on the ceiling of those wide receivers because when you have like we said a charlie jones then cj sheffield can be a capable number two Payne durham who had a good game against illinois can be a capable of more than capable tight end so it's going to be who can step up and who can be an impact guy out wide or in the pass game no one's going to hear me say anything bad about Ryan Walters, the play caller, the leader, um, because he's he's phenomenal at both. And, and he and Kevin Kane and obviously Grant O'Brien, now the safeties coach after being a GA at Illinois, um, a couple other guys, Joe Deneen, you've mentioned Preston Gordon. Uh, these guys were part of Illinois' success on defense, but they returned just four starters on defense at Purdue. So uh, what kind of change is happening here? What do you expect out of this Boilermakers defense that, to be honest, obviously has not been a strength for Purdue the last couple of years? 
Yeah, I think if we if we start front forward, they landed some. They landed a, a couple SEC type of bodies on the transfer. A guy from Vanderbilt, a guy from Arkansas, and a guy from Auburn that can play in that that kind of those three down linemen that Illinois fans would be familiar with, like because it's the same scheme we're talking about here. We're talking about a five-one-five type of thing, five-two-four, whatever, well, however they want to phrase it. It's going to be five down linemen and then a lot of DBs, pretty much. So they're going to have those three down guys, and I think they feel very comfortable with the guys that they have as outside linebackers. I think you're right. The the three interior guys, they're, they're waiting to see who steps up and really solidifies those three spots. But Nick Carraway, someone that they – I had never seen it before. They, they, they took the actual Purdue Twitter account, the full team account, and just gave a personal shout-out to say that they loved this guy, Nick Carraway, during spring practice, which was unique to me. And I like – at that point, I was starting to think we might see him in a couple weeks at Big Ten Media Day. He's still a little bit younger. I think we'll probably end up seeing him before his career is over. But I know they love him as an outside linebacker. They've got some other guys that can be good outside linebackers and that can be complimentary to him. And it's going to be a thing that they rotate. I think uh, Will Helt, who's a freshman, was another guy that can – I don't think he's going to be a Gabe, Gabe Yakis, but I think he's a guy that they feel comfortable enough because of his physical ability that they can play linebacker they have a guy in OC Brothers who's going to be capable I think he'll man that number one spot and and then if he can't they need somebody that might be a little more athletic then you look at a Yanni Karloff this George's younger brother mm-hmm. who could step up and be the middle linebacker and then when you bump back to the secondary you got two really talented uh safeties and Cam Allen and Lucy Kane I think that's a big plus for guys like Grant O'Brien Ryan Walters we talk about because they're going to be able to be veteran presence in the secondary but outside of that you're looking at a ton of young guys, a ton of transfers at cornerback, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing is you got five or six guys that could really be in those spots and just mix and match and through those those non-conference games to see who, fit, who can fit there. But even, but even the non-conference games, you're looking at Fresno State, Van, uh, Virginia Tech, and then Syracuse. Like th- It's not an easy non-conference for Ryan Walters' first season, so it's going to be a lot of learning on the fly and trying to find guys that can click early. A non-conference slate of Fresno State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Not easy. Uh, Plus Michigan, Ohio State, both on the schedule. So for you, Mick, what would constitute a successful 2023 season, first year of Ryan Walters? Yeah, I think, like I said, the biggest thing, I think the players circle Indiana. I think you want to keep that old open bucket. I think the coaching staff circle Illinois. So I think those are two Big Ten games they want to win. But then you kind of break the schedule up. I think that – that non-con, those three games, you kind of want to get two wins to feel good going into it because then you re- lead right into a, a stretch of Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin in some order, and that's another one where you're hoping you can get at least one to two wins and not go winless in the next stretch, which is host Ohio State, go to Lincoln, go to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, which is a stretch you could very conceivably go 0-3 in before you get down the stretch of having to play. At that point of season, Ethan – Kalamahakis, I believe the new quarterback in Minnesota playing him in a, the third, the last week of the season. Then you finish up with two programs. You feel like you should get wins over in Northwestern and Indiana to wrap up the season. So it's, it's trying to pick up wins throughout the season before you get to those two weeks to kind of be able to hopefully go into the end of the season or a bowl game on a higher note. You talked about the, the coaching staff circle in that Illinois game. How do they talk about Illinois? Or do they even bring it up? Because you guys probably aren't asking as many questions as, say, Illinois fans would have about Illinois. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's something that probably, like, with whether it's you or Joey, or at least some point, we'll be brought up more in a couple weeks at Big Ten Media Day just because Ryan Walters, like, spring. Ryan Walters' method was we're going to give you guys the first 15 minutes of each spring practice. After that, we're gonna we're gonna flush everybody out. It's familiar. No... That's a very familiar uh, stance. So that's something he learned from Brett Bielma. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, every single time, six ses- six sessions, and that's about 
15 minutes of warm-ups, 15 minutes of drills. All right, everybody get out. So he, he didn't speak much about it. And when he talked about it, you got all those new transfer guys, so everybody's asking about that. You're asking about a new offense, a new defense, and switching to more of a defensive-focused program with a defensive head coach. So there was a lot of different things that were asked about. I Not a lot of on-the-record talk about Illinois. Obviously, like we, we mentioned it before, I, I w- they had a camp the day of Luke Williams' decision, so there was a lot of off-the-field, off-the-record kind of talk about <laughs> Illinois. But I think that was a little bit more juiced up having that when I think still Ryan Walsh talked about it when he was at an introductory press conference. I think he has a lot of respect for Brett Mueller. I think a lot of these guys, like Corey Patterson's going to love Isaiah Williams probably into like if he's at his wedding, I wouldn't be surprised. Like that yeah. is just those kind of relationships. Keith Randolph, some of those guys, and even some of the defensive backs there, like Grant O'Brien was, I imagine he was honestly probably like a safety coach, knowing how Walters likes to walk around it. So he knows a lot of those guys intimately. I think a lot of that staff feels good about it. And Preston Gordon, Preston Gordon obviously had some of those guys come down to Purdue to work out with him at some point. So I think a lot of the, the coaching staff feels a mutual respect. But then, like we talked about, also like there's a feeling of hey, I want to beat these, I want to beat these guys yes. that I work for, and that's the big thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be a respectful rivalry, right? Like I think now that you know Walters has left and gone to a rival, now Brett Bielema wants to beat him. Ryan Walters wants to beat him. Like uh, I don't know if there's a ton of bad blood there, but now they are. Comp- Competitors, And I think it's going to be fun to actually see that play out. And I think it just adds a little bit more juice, uh, Mick, to this fun rivalry. And I, th- I think with both these programs performing better on the field, it's it's going to be good for everybody involved here. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You, I, I've, I, I'm a big fan of the Alana Inquirer podcast. I'm always on the big board thread. Just read and see what you guys talk about. I think reading you talk about the getting to that Iowa-Wisconsin level of competency, I think that's what Illinois is striving for. And I think – that's the point where Ryan Walters obviously wants to get this program at Purdue. So you're, you're kind of fighting and think about it though, with, with how the big Ten's changing, you can only have so many of these programs that are going to consistently be competent. And it'll be interesting to see who in three or four years are those programs. If we still have Ryan Walters, if we still have Brett Bielema, if we still have Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, all these guys kicking around in the big 10, or if there's been changes because of the standard being a different standard. Mick Walker covers Purdue for 24-7 Sports. Follow him on Twitter at MickWalker247. Mick, thanks for the insight, man. Yep, appreciate it, Jeremy. Great stuff from Mick. This rivalry has a chance to be pretty spicy. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I do think it's a respectful one, but I do think this game's going to mean a lot for, for both sides. I think it's good for a rivalry game. Add some uh, spice to this one, uh, even a little bit more. Uh, but coming up next, Illinois. has gotten the better of Wisconsin two of the last four games. How about that? Uh, and that led in part to Paul Chris being fired and Wisconsin not doing the layup with Jim Leonard, who maybe could have been a good hire, uh, did a pretty good job stabilizing that uh, team last year and getting into a bowl game. But they go get Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach who took him to the college football playoff, obviously former Ohio State interim coach. So Luke Fickle, what's he bringing to the Big Ten? What's he bringing to Madison? It's going to look different. How different? We're going to talk about that with Michael Hogan, Badger 24-7, next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we caught up with Mick Walker about Purdue with a new head coach of the Boilermakers. Let's get the uh, another new head coach in the Big Ten West. Final year of the Big Ten West, and that's Luke Fickle up at Wisconsin. Michael Hogan covers Wisconsin for Badger 24-7. A lot of newness up there uh, in, in Badgerland, Michael, uh, because beyond Deion Sanders, Luke Fickle, he certainly felt like the splashiest hire of the offseason outside of prime. So how has he impacted that Wisconsin program so far? Yeah, it, it's. I mean, pick pick whatever you want. I guess it, pretty much everything is has changed. You know, it's funny how how drastically it changed. You know, October after Illinois came up here and, and embarrassed Wisconsin here at Camp Randall Stadium, Paul Christ was was fired the next day, and everybody kind of figured that Jim Leonard would would just be the guy. You know, it, it certainly was, it seemed like it was shaping up that way. But yeah, Chris McIntosh made a big swing. Uh, went for you know Luke Fickle, impressive resume at Cincinnati, leading them to the playoffs a couple of years ago. So, you know, I, I think right off the bat, you just look at what they're doing, trying to do on offense. Uh, you know, bringing in Phil Longo from North Carolina. Um, you know, he's, Wisconsin's running the air raid. I, I don't think anybody could could have ever get you know imagined that, right? Like, uh, say goodbye to the fullback and using all forty seconds of the play clock. Um, you know, I I think. You know, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> like we were talking before we, we started here, just it, the whole season feels like it kind of depends on how well that works for them uh, here in the first year. They did make quite a few transfer portal additions to kind of, you know, get guys who fit the scheme a little better. They totally revamped their quarterback room. Graham Mertz transferred to Florida. I thought that was a good kind of mutual parting of ways. After three years of Mertz, you know, it was time to just, for him to move on and for Wisconsin to find something else. Uh, they got Tanner Mordecai from SMU, very successful uh, quarterback there. We'll see how that translates to the Big Ten. I know a lot of people are kind of curious about that. Yeah. And uh, Braden Locke from Mississippi State, clear number two uh, guy. In fact, I, I, I think he, he might have put himself in a really good position to be the starter next year. I was really impressed with him. And then Nick Evers, another redshirt freshman, comes from Oklahoma. He might be the most physically gifted QB in that room, but he just kind of have to put it all together on, on the mental side of things, learning the playbook and whatnot. But, um, you know, that's obviously – I'm sure we'll get more into the, the offense. And then I think, you know, this might not be that unique uh, on, a, like, a national perspective, but I think what Wisconsin did has been doing in the weight room now under under Brady Collins is a, is a drastic change. In the past, it kind of sounded like the guys would go in there, they'd, they'd work hard and, you know, get their work done. But, you know, now we're seeing, you know, more of the, you know, competition aspect of it. You know, Brady Collins is a really intense, intense guy. He has these guys, you know, playing games in the weight room, you know, competing against each other. And, and you know, I, Squat Fest was a big kind of thing on, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I saw a lot of people around the Big Ten talking about that. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a big extravaganza for them. And, um, I thought just that was really interesting to kind of watch this offseason, the changes they made there. And then, you know, another thing, too, like I said, 
about the weight room might not be that unique on a national perspective, but the social media efforts and just the program kind of putting itself out there more, being more marketable, promoting its brand a little bit more uh, than it did in the past. So I think those initiatives have been interesting and Fickle, uh, you know, is a big supporter of, of both of those things, obviously. That's, that's it's his program after all. And uh, so lo- those things off the top of my head, the, the offense, the transfer additions, and just some other things, you know, off the field, weight room and, and social media, and just kind of engaging the fan base and the recruits differently. It's just been a complete, complete 360 for this program. Yeah, I think the modernizing uh, would be kind of yep. a word there. Uh, both, and I think we all start with the offense there. Like Phil Longo has, has had such great success as an offense coordinator, Ole Miss, North Carolina, um, and, and he's obviously going to shake up what we know about Wisconsin offense. So, what what have you seen so far from Longo and the quarterbacks there? Because obviously, there's a lot of newness and and there's excitement in that, but there's also an unknown because. Let's be honest, I know the quarterback has been a problem, but they run the ball well at Wisconsin. They've had that identity that's done them so well for decades. Um, so just what have you made of the changes so far? Yeah, Tanner Mordecai, you know, obviously was leaning, you know, toward the toward the NFL draft, 90% sure he told us in, in about, you know, April, March or April, whenever he met with us. And, um, you know, he, he didn't like the feedback he got from, from talent evaluators and and, uh, you know, I decided to, to come here and reunite with Phil Longo, who recruited him at Ole Miss, you know, five or six years ago. And um, Fickle obviously was pretty familiar with him as well because, uh, you know, Cincinnati played SMU a couple times over the last couple seasons. So they kind of had a familiarity there that they liked, and they, they liked that they, they get to start with a six-year senior quarterback who can lead him to instant success and uh, has a proven track rec- record. Obviously, there are some questions about how well he'll – He'll translate, you know, to the Big Ten, and, and the spring game wasn't really a great performance for him. He threw four picks and kind of had the fan base panicking a little bit, and I think national media kind of overreacted to that a little bit too, and that's kind of led to some, uh, you know, opinions of, of Mordecai this offseason that aren't aren't very high, but I'm my expectation is that he'll be, you know, I, I'm not going to go out, you know, come out here and say that he's going to have the best season ever by a Wisconsin quarterback, but – I'm expecting him to have a very, very solid season and, and really improve his draft stock from what it was last year. Um, and then, obviously, they set themselves up for the future at quarterback, too, with, with guys like Locke and Evers. Both both of them are redshirt freshmen, and Locke was really impressive. mentioned earlier that Evers kind of has some developing to do, but um, they still really think highly of him. And, and then, you know, they, they, they added a lot of receivers, too, and they returned – their top three guys from last year, Chimray DK, Skyler Bell, and Keontes Lewis, and the transfers, CJ Williams from USC, Bryson Green from Oklahoma State, and then two guys from Cincinnati, Will Pong and Quincy Burroughs. All, all four of those guys should have pretty pretty significant roles in the offense. They kind of want to have a rotation of six receivers this year, and that just gives you an idea of how quickly this offense is going to move. You know, They're going to have to have keep guys fresh and rotate a number of receivers. Uh, in, in games, so that's that's going to be something to watch for. I think the guy who impressed me most was Will Pauling, guy in the slot. If you look at Longo's offenses, traditionally, the slot receiver is their most productive. Josh Downs at North Carolina, Daz Newsom a couple of years ago, too. Those guys put up some big, big numbers, and I'm expecting Will Pauling to kind of have that role for them this year. Short short routes, get him in space, uh, and, and he could do some damage. Um, and, and I also think, too, that, that it's been interesting, you know, I think the arrival of the air raid offense here has kind of 
naturally created a misconception that Wisconsin is, is going to go away from, from running the football. I, I, I don't think that is going to happen. I still think they are at times going to have to rely on, on Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi like they have in the past. It's, it's just going to look a little differently. Uh, you know, you look at Longo's offenses, you know, um, at North Carolina specifically, and they, they did a really good job of running the football. They actually were one of the, they had like the highest yardage total per game over, over Longo's four years in the ACC. Obviously the quarterback run is a big part of that, that number. Um, but, you know, you look at 2020 and, uh, Longo had Javante, uh, you know, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, both of those guys went over a thousand yards, um, and, and got plenty of carries and, and Braylon Allen mentioned this off season multiple times that, you know, he's, he's really excited not to see eight or nine man boxes anymore. Right. Cause in the past teams could just load up against Wisconsin and, and really sell out for the run because it was coming. They didn't have a passing attack that could really help open things up in the running game. And that's, that's not going to be the case anymore. Um, I saw a staff from pro football focus, Allen, and this wasn't surprising at all. Allen had faced, uh, you know, loaded boxes, eight or nine guys, more than any other running back in the country over the last two years. Uh, so, you know, he's really excited about that. I'm expecting Ches Malusi to be a big factor too, if he can stay healthy. That's kind of been a challenge for him over the last couple of years. But uh, they have a nice one-two combination yeah. uh, at, in, in that running back room, and I still really expect those guys to be huge, huge factors in the offense. Another thing is, too, that they're going to have opportunities to catch the ball. They didn't – Wisconsin wasn't using those guys as pass catchers in the past. Allen, uh, who wants to – both of those guys could go to the NFL draft probably after this year, have opportunities to really round out their, their skill sets. Yeah, I, I'm glad you hit on that misnomer of Phil Longo's offense because – you know, looking up for for Darian Dupree's decision, I was like, a lot of people are like, why would he go there? They're just gonna throw the ball around. Um, he's had three, he had three running backs drafted at North Carolina, and in a short amount of time, so they run the ball well. Those guys get involved in the pass game, and what does the NFL want? They want some running backs who also are involved in in the passing game. My one question for you is, um, Wisconsin's O line got dominated by Illinois last year, uh, and the metrics for O line metrics, what, how much ever you put into them, were very average. Uh, for them last year, should they be closer to a typical Wisconsin offensive line this year? Yeah, you're right. The, the offensive line for Wisconsin the last two years really have has been average, maybe even below average at times, certainly below average against Illinois. Man, they just dominated those guys up front. Um, and Illinois dominated a lot of teams up front last year. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to say because they're basically running it back with the, with the same group. You'd expect maybe some improvement uh, just just from the continuity aspect of it. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I still think they have some things to figure out there on the offensive line in the first week or two of training camp. Um, you know, they're set at left tackle. Jack Nelson, a good player. You know, he, he performed pretty well last year. Uh, I see a lot of at early, you know, first, second round buzz for him, um, you know, so far for 2024 draft, um, you know, Tanner Bordellini, who's been very versatile for them. <clears throat> you know, he can play center, guard, or tackle. They have him kind of set at, at left guard, you know, put him there. The center position is going to be the one that, that, that's going to be what people are watching most in the, in the training camp because they lost Joe Tipman, who was their best player, arguably for the last two seasons, one of the best centers last year in, in that 2023 draft class. Um, they, you know, Jake Renfro transferred from Cincinnati. 
Uh, he performed, I, I liked what I saw from him early in the spring, but then he got injured and missed the rest of camp. We'll see if he's back. I'm expecting him to be back for training camp, but they had a lot of issues at center. They had a slide Bordellini over. And the thing that was fascinating about it is that these guys couldn't handle shotgun snaps hmm. because they're not used to it. Uh, so the ball was going all over the place. So they really need Renfro to, 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 to be healthy, to stay healthy all year because that, I, I don't think they trust anyone there uh, at their second spot at center. And you, you, you got to be able to snap the ball. I mean, you can't have that at center. Um, right guard, that's going to be another one of those competitions. Michael Furtney, a six-year senior, um, you know, I thought he held up pretty well last year when he played. It was his most significant role he's ever had. He started like eight or nine games. Um, you know, we'll see Joe Huber and other Cincinnati transfers going to be a factor there, along with Trey Wedig, who played a lot of ball yeah. last year for them. And at right tackle, they're set with Riley Malman, who I'll be curious to see how he responds this year because last year everybody was kind of expecting him to break out. Um, and, and then he got injured in the first game and didn't return until about November or late October. And I don't think he ever really got his feet underneath him last year. Um, but high expectations again for him this year. So as you can see, there's just a lot of kind of – you got a couple positions set, but then there's some some question marks. You know, you got to have Renfro at center. You can't have issues there. And then, the you know, the right guard spot, you know, we'll see what happens there. And then Riley Malman's got to take a step at right tackle. Otherwise, they're going to have to figure something else out there. So – um, you know, I'm expecting this line to improve, like I said earlier, just based off of a lot of these guys that played together before. The Cincinnati transfers should be factors. Um, so it lo looks like a pretty good unit on paper, but we'll see how they put it all together. Another thing with this line, too, is that given the pace, kind of like the receivers, given the pace of this offense, you might see some guys rotate. You might see some a guy like, you know, Trey Wedig or Joe Huber, they lose out on that right guard spot. They might, you know – Jack Bicknell Jr., the offensive line coach, likes versatility, likes guys that can come in and play different spots. He isn't opposed to a rotation. He's used rotations during games, you know, at Ole Miss, at, at North Carolina as well. Uh, he came over with Longo, so you know, just to keep those guys fresh throughout a game, he might, you might see maybe a series off for a guy here. Not, not like, not left tackle Jack Nelson, not him, right. but maybe you'll see one of those guards come out for a series or. You know, maybe they'll switch things up at right tackle for a series. We'll see what happens, but that should be another fascinating component for this line this year. Yeah, Illinois has done a guard rotation, usually not the tackles or the center, but they, they certainly have done that with the guards. Uh, Jim Leonard, you mentioned, he's gone. Uh, Mike Tressel comes with Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, has experience in the Big Ten with, with Michigan State as well. Uh, what's the outlook for this defense without Leonard, without Herbig, without Keanu Benton? Yeah, this defense should be – I think the expectation is that this defense will be strong again this year, even though they lost quite a bit of production uh, with, with Herbig and Benton. And obviously Herbig led the Big Ten in sacks last year. Benton, his numbers are really never that impressive, but just such a force in the middle, uh, opening up opportunities for others to make plays. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they have some things to figure out in the defensive line. Not so sure about that yet. Um, you know, uh, I think they have some, some good pieces there, but I'm not sure – you know, how it all fits because they had some guys injured during the spring. Darian Varner, transferred from Temple, should – I think they're really hope, you know, counting on him to make a big splash in the in the pass rush. They're going to need that from him. Um, it, it might not be – you know, we saw in the spring a lot of maybe, uh, you know, it was kind of a mixture of like, you know, we saw some of what they were doing under Leonard and then we saw like some different really kind of 
different looking uh, schemes, closer like a 3-3-5 of what Cincinnati was running under Trestle and Fickle. So they're kind of trying to blend the two concepts and use the strengths they already had and kind of kind of trying to create something new. So that's kind of been interesting to watch. Um, we saw like a lot of three inside linebacker looks with Muman Ajangmenta, Jake Cheney, and Jordan Turner, three guys who were productive last year, high expectations for them again. And then we saw some, you know, a couple of the outside linebackers being used as defensive ends. It seemed like they were a little bit less reliant on their defensive line. Um, they didn't really, they don't really have, I don't think they really have it. You know, Gio Paez is, is the guy that, that's going to be their nose tackle, but I don't know if they really have somebody who can truly, truly consistently, you know, play at a really, really high level, you know, throughout a game there. That's, I think the run defense might be a concern in that regard because you look at Trestle's numbers from, from Cincinnati, and that's really what we have to go on right now, looking at previous numbers from, from where these coaches have been in the past and what they've done. The run defense might be a little bit of a concern just given the, their lack of, of, of an experienced guy uh, at nose tackle and the defensive line production question marks. Um, the outside linebacker room is filled with guys who have played a lot before but haven't really had opportunities to make plays because Herbig was basically on the field and he was the guy that was asked to or given the, most of the opportunities to rush the passer and get get to the backfield and make tackles for loss. Daryl Peterson, a guy they've used the guy they used all over the field <clears throat> during spring ball. They they had him lined up at inside linebacker depth, kind of as a hybrid safety almost, dropping him into coverage, rushing the passer. So expect a lot of different things from him. Uh, TJ Bowlers, they've kind of lined him up at defensive end a couple of times. Jeff Petrowski, uh, another guy that they're going to have to get some pass rush out of. He's transferred from Michigan State. Um, he was pretty productive there two seasons ago, but um, inj- got injured last year early on and uh, missed the rest of the season. So, you know, th- th- they'll be interesting to see the production of the outside linebackers, the defensive line. I think they feel really good about their secondary. Alexander Smith is a six-year senior, uh, their number one corner. Uh, he missed most of last year, but uh, he was solid when he returned. Uh, Ricardo Holman, um, you know, he had a tough – uh, you know, tough task last year when he started the first seven games as a redshirt freshman when Smith was injured and uh, he got scorched against Michigan State uh, in an overtime loss, gave up like three touchdowns, I believe, in coverage. And he didn't, we didn't see him for the rest of the year pretty much after that. And um, you know, he bounced back this spring. I liked what I saw from him. Uh, a lot of interceptions. Uh, I don't know if that was just because he was in the right place at the right time. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes during spring ball, but their corners – you know, I, I think they feel pretty good about those guys. Jason Matry, a guy in the slot from, from Boston College. He's kind of a physical guy, you know, come up against the run, not afraid there. And then they got uh, three or four safeties that can play. Uh, Hunter Wohler, Travian Blaylock, Kamoy Latu, you know, Austin Brown. So they feel good about what they got there. Wohler is the guy they they're really can use all over the place. Um, they're, they're really, really excited about the potential – for him this year another guy like Wisconsin seems like they have a lot of these guys that you know were expected to break out last year and then all of a sudden they got hurt and and they missed a chunk of time so Wohler is really uh, another guy that uh, can uh, you know kind of have a bounce back year for them after a, a tough injury luck last year well Michael uh new coaching staff 14 transfers that's a lot of change uh so I understand Wisconsin with its talent, with its coaching, with the West still being wide open, 
uh, feels like they could win this week. Like they, they could win the, the Big Ten West in its final year. But that's also a lot of change that, that could be take some time, could take some growing pain. So uh, they have a trip to Washington State. Ohio State comes to Camp Randall. But then you have crossovers against Rutgers and Indiana. That's pretty beneficial. So for you, what, what's a successful season look like for Luke Fickle's first year? Yeah, people, Wisconsin fans might call us a conservative pick, but, uh, you know, I'll go conservative after my predictions last year. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I I think, you know, you you mentioned that Washington State game. I think that's going to be a tougher task than maybe some expect. That's a week two road game, West Coast. I don't know how Pullman is. I've never been there, but I'm assuming that it's a pretty tough environment to play in. Um, and then you got Purdue two weeks after that on the road. That's a Friday night game. I know Wisconsin's had Purdue's number historically. You know they've won 16 in a row. But that's you know <clears throat> streaks end, um, and Purdue could be pretty tough this year with with a new coaching staff and uh, Hudson Card at quarterback. Um, I, I think nine wins is, is is a successful year, and that might be good enough to win you the Big Ten West. Um, you know I think I think the winner of this league again. I think the league will be better overall this year, but I still think it might be a situation where the winner has more than or three or more losses, um, similar to last year. So I, I think nine wins would be a really, really successful first year for Fickle, given just <clears throat> you're having a whole new offense, drastically different offense, and then a defense is going to be different too. And then you throw in 14 transfers. You know, you got a, quite a few guys with different roles <clears throat> this year compared to last year. So I think nine wins, you set the bar there. That's a successful year. Eight wins, you could you could argue that would be you know respectable as well. I, I think ten wins is a little on the heavy side for me, given given just how much has changed. Um, and I have seen a lot of that from the fans this off season. Ten, eleven wins. I just I can't see that. You know, I it would be great for the fans, but you know I I, I don't know. I, I can't see that. I think nine wins is my comfort zone right now, without really going in depth on game predictions and stuff. I, I would say nine wins. Like I said, could be good enough to get you to Indy. Michael, last one for you. Um, how is what Brett Bielma is doing at Illinois viewed in Wisconsin right now? I think most people, and I, well, I wasn't around covering this team then, but you know, just looking at at fans and, and maybe some other older media members, I think that the perception is that, well, first of all, he's really got that program going in the right direction. Uh, a lot of respect. I think there's there's some res- a lot of respect for what he's done. Um, Wisconsin fans are obviously a little bitter about the beatdown they took last year at the hands of Bielema as a lion eye, but um, <clears throat> I think respect just because it, it, it is in a lot of ways similar to what this program used to be, <laughs> um, you know, with the, with the running game and the toughness and the defense. Um, so I, I think, I think respect and um, you know, uh, the feeling that it's very similar to what the blueprint was here for them um god how many years ago was that now it's like 2012 was when he left it's like it's, <laughs> that's when i was like in middle school so you know it's uh it's crazy it, it, you know it, and i'm expecting that to be uh, a big big time challenge for wisconsin this year because that you look at the schedule and that's they got iowa at home then they go to illinois then they have ohio state that's kind of a real that's a really tough game to have sandwiched in between those two really big home games so that's that could be a really i don't want to call it a trap game because illinois is a good team but right. that's a that's a that's a really tough game to have sandwiched in between those two games one of them that could really go a long way in deciding the west against iowa at home and then you got ohio state after that 
obviously the storyline with Fickle and, you know, his coaching experience and playing experience there. A lot of coaches on staff as well have connections to Ohio State. So that's – and that's the first time the Buckeyes have come here or are going to come here since 2016. So mm-hmm. that's the game everybody has circled. And then you got you – got, really, that's going, to be, that's going to be a fascinating how they handle that, that road game against Illinois. And as you, Illinois won, what, two of the last, like, four against these guys? Yeah. One of them at home, yeah. 2019, and then uh, last year. <clears throat> Yeah, and this is homecoming for Illinois too. So, uh, out of all the games, maybe besides Penn State, if, if Illinois starts the year off two and zero, maybe that Penn State game's a sellout. But if any game's going to come close to a sellout, I think it'd be Illinois Wisconsin if Illinois uh, plays very well. So, I think it's going to be a pretty ramped up crowd as well. And, and we know Bielman, there's history there. It's probably under the bridge at this point, but the, there is that history element of it as well. Michael Hogan, Badger twenty four seven. Michael, thank you for the insight into uh, the Badgers and, and Luke Fickle's program. Still amazing. That was a surprise hire, and it's, it's still uh, kind of stunning that he's up there. But uh, great hire for them. We'll see how it plays out year one, and I'll see you up at uh, Big Ten Media Day, man. Should be an interesting year, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you in Indy. Great in-depth breakdown from Michael Hogan, Badger 24-7. Appreciate him and Mick Walker giving us their time. Us, uh, get to know a little bit more about the impact these new coaches could have on the Big Ten this upcoming season. And uh, obviously two important games for Illinois. That that Purdue one looms large, uh, especially with some tough games early in September. Um, you know, Penn State, Toledo, uh, Kansas, like those those are all difficult games. Like You look down, up and down the schedule, there's just not a lot of gimme games. Like Ford Atlantic, maybe, the week before. Uh, you have Purdue come to town in September, but September's pretty tough and then of course you know every game in the big 10 maybe besides northwestern uh, is going to be a competitive game i would imagine um we'll see what nebraska is but maryland's got talent maryland's been pretty good under mike loxley i think they're projected fourth in the big 10 east this year better than michigan state so you know michigan state came to town and beat you last year so i i think there's a lot of toss-ups on the schedule and these two games, I think for Illinois now, it's a good thing that there are a lot of toss-ups. But uh, the difference between winning and losing, as we've seen the last couple of years, uh, with Illinois losing many close games, uh, is very small. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of competitive games, a lot of interesting storylines uh, in the Big Ten West. And we'll get to Nebraska at some point here, too, with Matt Rule uh, and what he can bring. But um, two interesting opponents and two interesting first years for Ryan Walters and Luke Fickle. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube as well. You can check out all our podcast interviews for the most part on our YouTube channel. Give us a like, subscribe to us, uh, and hit the notifications bell over there as well. Got plenty more content. It's a little slower time in the summer, but it allows us to be a little bit more creative and, and dive into these some subjects. Um, I'll have my mailbag coming up. We have our position primers continuing, and Derek Piper will have more on Illinois basketball, their current roster, and recruiting as well. Coming up at IlliniInquire.com, which, as always, you can get a VIP membership for just $1 for your first month. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.